بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه. The Jum'ah Khutbah is an essential reminder that calls the believers every Friday to increase in taqwa, God consciousness. This series shares Jum'ah Khutbahs that take place at the Al-Maqasid Seminary. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah alladhi hadana lihaadha wa ma kunna linahtadiya lawla an hadana Allah. Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammadin Miftahi Baba Rahmatillah Adada ma fi ilmi la salatan wa salaman daimaini mi dawami munkillah Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah Wa shadu annahu allahu alladhi la ilaha illa allah wahdahu la sharika rah Ilahin wahidan wa rabbin shahidan wa nahnuhu muslimun وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة أيوننا محمد عبده رسوله أرسله الله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهر على دين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد يا عباد الله إني مصيكم نفسي إياي وإياكم لتقوى الله الحمد لله on this blessed day of Jum'ah this is a time that we want to remind ourselves of our ubudiyah, of our servitude that we are supposed to show to our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is our realities that we are abd, is that we are servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is the nature of the abd to submit to his master subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from the great blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that we have a deen that is comprehensive that is holistic, that touches upon every facet of human life. And it is in the nature of religious practice that you and I learn what it is that our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. And especially in the time like the one in which we live, where we have to proactively fight the compartmentalization of religion, i.e. the tendency to just have some surface level religious practice on a particular day or at a particular time or in one particular facet or dimension. Our deen is comprehensive and it touches upon everything. And there is a blessed verse in the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us much. And one of the means behind this verse is there for you and I to submit to the religion in its totality as it is. Yes, we have to carry ourselves in a way where people come to this religion as they are. But they have to come to this religion as they are, to Islam as it is. And if people come to the religion as they are, we're human beings, we can't do anything else, and yes, we have to be welcoming. And yes, that we have to be on the frontiers to facilitate people's spiritual and religious practice. But they must come to Islam as it is. And then Islam will take us where it is that we need to go. If we submit to this deen and we learn what it is that we need to learn at the level of belief, at the level of practice, at the level of spirituality, it will take us where it is that we're meant to go. It will be a means for us to fulfill our purpose here on earth, 
which is nothing other than coming to know our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in Surah Al-Baqarah in verse 177, the scholars differ about the occasion of revelation, the sabab and nuzul. But some of them say it was when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came with the companions to Al-Madinah Al-Marawara. And they found the Jews in the Christians, the Ahl Kitab, the people of the book, praying to different directions. And the Jews, of course, were facing Jerusalem. The Christians were facing east. And they were both saying that bir, which is a very comprehensive and important word, you can roughly translate it as piety or righteousness. That bir is facing this particular direction. And one of the meanings behind that is they thought that just because you're facing one particular direction or just because you're doing some form of outward religious practice, a specific manifestation of it, this somehow suffices. And then Allah Taala revealed this verse to our Prophet ﷺ to clarify what bir really is. What is righteousness? What is true piety? Is it restricted to just one dimension? Or is it much more complete than one might think? And this is the reality that if we look at our time in which we live and in our conversations that we might have with people at work, if people even care about religion to begin with, because there is a lot of apathy in our time and this might be the dominant trait of our time where people don't even give it thought that they are so immersed in the following their desires and seeking after the things of this world, even if they seem to be good people. But oftentimes that we find people have very narrow perspectives on religion, very surface level perspectives on religion. And this is one of the great blessings of Islam, is that you and I have a comprehensive way of life and we were speaking about this in class yesterday, in fact, and how that if we come to know our belief and what it is that we attribute to Allah and the messengers, what it is that we believe about the next world, and we combine that with spiritual practice where new doors open up for us to develop our spiritual intuition, then when you and I study comparative religion, there's nothing that we can't understand. It's going to make sense. We're going to have a true perspective. We're going to be able to that understand why this belief might have come about and how this might have been an aberration from the original teaching of that particular religion or that prophet that was sent to them. Anyhow, our deen is comprehensive. And it is not limited to what one person thinks or their narrow-minded understanding of it. It is in the nature of things that you and I to submit to reality as it is. That we come to terms with reality and submit to our Lord, Tabaraka wa ta'ala. And then in doing so, we will then open up the door for us truly to grow and to progress. So in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, Righteousness is not turning your faces towards the east or the west. The Jews were turning towards the west and the 
that Christians were turning towards the east. Rather, what is piety? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to teach us about it. And it's interesting to note that in Surah Al-Baqarah, there is a mentioning of birr from even before. This is mentioned in verse 44. The verse that we just quoted was in verse 177, where Allah poses it in the form of a question, but really it is a form of rebuke. Do you command people to piety, to be righteous? Yet you forget your own selves? And you are reciting the book, Do you not use your intellect? And it's also very interesting to note that whenever Allah uses the root aqala, the aqal is your intellect. Aqal doesn't come in the form of a noun in the book of Allah. It comes in being used as a verb. And this is to indicate to us is that ultimately we're supposed to be using our intellect to actively do what is pleasing to our Lord and not to just sit down and pontificate. Yes, we should be reflecting. Yes, we should use intellect for that other purposes. But ultimately it is about action. It is not enough to just sit down and philosophize. You must work. You must act. Just as he subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentions the word bir in Surah Al-Baqarah, 12 verses later. Before Islam, there was a superstition that after you, fill, uh, after you perform the pilgrimage, when you came back home, that you would enter from the back door. And they thought that this was a means of a good omen. So Allah is teaching that this is not from piety to adhere to some baseless superstition. There's nothing wrong with walking under a ladder, except that might be a little bit dangerous. So if it's for danger, that's a different thing. That don't worry about a black cat walking in front of you. There's no harm in opening an umbrella indoors. And all of these other superstitions that people have in our society and all cultures have these things. But this is what our prophet taught, that if you see something as a bad omen, go through with it. And don't take bad omens, rather take good omens only. If you start to worry about something, oh, the last time I drove down this road, this is what happened. The last time I went this way to work, this is what happened. No, don't let yourself fall victim to bad omens. We only take good omens. And this is a part of our tawakkul and trust that we place in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is not a part of religion in any way to take bad omens or to be superstitious. But, but what is birr? Our people of taqwa. And this is how Allah is going to end verse 177. That they are the people of taqwa. Allah says, so enter your homes through the proper doors. And have taqwa of Allah in hopes that you will be successful. So Allah is correcting our understanding of what piety really is. And as we will see in this one verse, that it is comprehensive and it includes so many different dimensions. But Allah begins with what is most important, 
i.e. the foundation upon which everything else is built. But righteousness is to believe in Allah in everything that that includes, in affirming what we affirm about His existence and His necessary attributes to Barakah wa Ta'ala and His 99 beautiful names. And we believe even in those names that we don't know that He is kept in the knowledge of the unseen exclusively for Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we believe in those names that He taught some of His creation that again that we do not know because Allah Ta'ala has many names. So to believe in Allah Jalla Jalalu, that He exists and that He is all-powerful to Barakah wa Ta'ala, and we believe in the last day, the hereafter, in everything that transpires in it that we learn from the Book of Allah and that we learn from the tongue of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, wal malaikati wal kitab, and we believe in the angels and all of the different categories of angels, and only Allah truly knows their number because there are so many. They are innumerable. There's no way for us to enumerate them. And there are many. And you have the bearers of the throne. And you have those that are there to protect you. And you have the angels of mercy. And you have the kurubiyun, which are the elect among them. And then you have the angels that roam the earth looking for majalis, gatherings of good. That's their sole function, is to roam the earth and to look for gatherings of good. And then they frequent them. You have angels that seek istighfar, that seek forgiveness for the believers. You have angels that write your bad deeds. And there are ten that we have to believe in detail that are a part of our obligatory creed. And that is to believe in Sayyidina Jibreel, in Mikail, in Israf, in Israel, in Munkar, in Nakir, in Raqib, in Atid, in Malik, in Ridwan. These are the ten that we have to believe in because it has come to us in a definitive fashion. So it's an obligatory part of our creed. We believe in the angels. Well, kitab in the books. One nabiyin and all of the prophets that are sent. So Allah begins with belief. And this is that one of those three dimensions of what we need in order to have true religious practice. And we have to believe properly. And we can't just have fanciful imaginations about what it is that we think things are and how it is that they're going to be. Our scholars were extremely meticulous when they developed our basic creed. They were meticulous in the discipline of ilm al-kalam when they were trying to articulate our beliefs in a way that even people who did not believe in Allah or accept the Quran as a source of authority that they could still understand what it is that we believe. They were meticulous. And belief is the most important thing of all. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, It's not enough just to believe. Now Allah ta'ala is going to go right into various types of a'mal, actions. And these actions are rooted in traits of character that are noble. What is the first thing that he mentions? Is that we give from our wealth despite loving it. And those who look very carefully to the pronouns in the Quran, notice that there are multiple meanings that they might point to. That ha and hubba could go back to the wealth that you love. 
So they give from their cherished wealth. Despite loving it, they give from it. And you know, I was going to list the people that we should give to. But then that those who go through a process of self-purification, where their heart starts to become pure, then they'll start to reflect a different meaning. They're disconnected from that human tendency to love their wealth. They give from their wealth out of the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They love Allah, so they freely give. To whom do they give? The will qurba, the relatives, wal yatama, orphans, wal masakin, the poor, wabnis sabil, people who are traveling. And they say here, ibnis sabil is as if that because they're traveling, that they are affiliated to the various roads that they're traveling on. Ibnis sabil, people that travel. Wasainin, even those who are asking, i.e., beggars, and to liberate those in bondage. So, the first thing that Allah Ta'ala mentions is that they give. And we know that this is part and parcel of true belief in Allah. Because as sadaqatu burhan, charity that you give is a testimony, it's a proof for your faith. Because you believe in what our Prophet taught us. And you believe in what Allah Ta'ala told you. Is that nothing do you give except He will replace it. Our Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is that wealth is not diminished by charity. Wealth is not diminished by charity. So when we give from our wealth, we know with certainty Allah is going to give us more in return. And we know that we're going to be in a state of well-being and good as long as we continue to give from what Allah Ta'ala has given us. And there are certain servants that Allah gives wealth and makes things easy for them. And as long as they give out their wealth, their wealth remains. And if they start to withhold, Allah might withhold from them. And then there are other people who, that that might not happen to them, but there are various tribulations that then come their way that was previously being extinguished by the charity that they were given out or deflected by the charity that they were given out. So learning to give, even though we might be attached to our wealth, to all of those various categories, which clearly the Quran is also teaching us that we should be in touch with our society. It's not enough to just live in the comfort of our suburban homes and act like everything is rosy and nothing else is happening. There are things happening, maybe even right down the street from you that you don't realize. There could be things happening 20 minutes away from you that you do not realize, let alone what is happening around the world. And ultimately, we will make choices. And there's a beautiful aphorism of Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib, where he says, no rich man enjoys except that a poor man suffers. In other words, we should be considered about the increasing gap between the rich and poor. We should recognize that if we don't give out from our wealth and make sacrifices, Allah has created a balance in the earth and there's enough resources to go around if we care for our fellow human beings. And we are willing to that step back and to limit ourselves to what it is that we need in order for other people to have what it is that they need. And so then Allah after mentioning this goes on to say, 
Do righteousness means not only do you believe, not only are you willing to give out from your wealth, but also you establish the prayer in all of its meanings with uprightness, with rectitude, with fortitude, with perseverance, preserving the prayer in all of its meanings, inwardly and outwardly establishing it with all of its conditions throughout your life, whether you're at home, whether you are traveling, whether you are well or whether you are sick, in all of our different states. Prayer should be a constant in our life. It should be the most important thing that we think about when we set our schedule for the day. Number one is our prayer. And if we know that we are going to be out and about, we should go out and run our errands and do our shopping and schedule our appointments and everything else around the prayer. And before you schedule a dentist appointment two months out, it would be nice to know what time is it. Do you need to unnecessarily delay Salat al-Asr for two hours? You're scheduling it two months out anyway. Why not try to find another time that's going to be more conducive for your prayer? And we start to think like this, things will start to change. And yes, that it might inconvenience us a little bit to do that. It might take a little bit more time, but the rewards of that will be great. We should not feel comfortable if the prayer time enters and that we just delay it till its latter part of time. We should be type of people that are yearning for the prayer time to come in. And Sayyidina Ali Zain al-Abidin, the great-grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and just as his father was, just as his father, just as Rasulullah was sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is that they were people that were loved by those around them, especially those of their household. Their children loved them, their spouses loved them, those that were with them loved them because they were extremely humble, they were a part of the household, and they used to help in the house, as we know was the description of the messenger himself, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But when it came time to prayer, for prayer, it was as if that they didn't know them. And one time Sayyidina Ali Zayn was making wudu, and his face started to change color, and they were worried that he was ill. And he says, do you realize before whom that I'm going to stand? He was present with Allah. Prayer time had now entered. This is a time for the meeting with Allah. And if our iman is strong, that will be the priority once that time enters. And of course, there are certain guidelines that the Sharia gives us to delay prayers for valid reasons. And that is legitimate. But in general, this should be our state. Once the prayer enters, we should want to pray. And that we should be internally start preparing for the meeting with Allah wa ta'ala. All of that and much, much more is included in this meaning of aqama salah wa zakah and they give from their zakah and you and i should know put it in your calendars when you give your zakah set a reminder two weeks ahead of time learn the rules of zakah and learn how zakah yes it has a social function but there are meanings that you and i need that it's there to help complete our deen and our practice in things that we must have internally that can only be received if we give out from our wealth in this obligatory fashion. And just so that we can know that in relation to belief and then also religious practice, not only should we be people of generosity, but there are other internal traits that you and I need. Is that we need to be people that keep our pledges 
when we make various pledges. We need to be people who are very careful about what it is that they say that they're going to do and make sure that if we say that we're going to do it, that we actually do it. If we commit to something, that we fulfill that commitment. If we promise someone, we make sure to fulfill that promise. And this is with everybody, from our children to our friends to people that we just met, or in the workspace and then outside of the workspace, this is how we have to be. We should take our ahad, our pledge, very seriously. And the righteous used to incline towards, if possible, not even telling people that they would do something and just do it. So then they didn't have to that make sure that they fulfilled it at the risk of being from the people of nifaq and hypocrisy who tell people that they're going to do something and then don't do it. And then Allah says, so you and I don't think that religious practice is just something that is always easy. True religious practice is that when we go through difficult situations, we do what our Lord wants us to do. True religious practice is difficult. In order to truly spiritually transform, you have to struggle. You have to strive. It's not easy. Pseudo-religion is easy. True religion requires you to roll up your sleeves and to embrace the difficult circumstances that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts you in. And Allah mentions two words here, both of which describe some form of difficulty that we go through. Well, sabirin. He speaks of the patient. In times of suffering and adversity. And they say in terms of suffering, for instance, when? that we are in straightened circumstances and we are that poor or we are humiliated in public or that there is someone that is harming us in some way. And in times of darra, adversity, when we might be sick, when we might be going through some type of physical that difficulty or something of this nature. But both of them, the first one refers to suffering and the second refers to adversity and all of its meanings and all of its manifestations. And in times of danger, and one manifestation of that is in battle, when there is a valid jihad, as was the just wars of the Prophet and the companions, the ones that they fought. And then in times of danger, how are we? Do we lose our cool? Are we able to keep it all together? How do we respond in the heat of the moment when things are a little bit difficult? When things are, have to, we have to make split-second decisions, how do we respond in that moment? What is the state of our heart? Do we place our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Look at this comprehensive that account that Allah has given us of true religiosity. This is righteousness. This is piety. That it has all of these different dimensions of belief of religious practice, of traits of character, in times of ease, in times of hardship, inwardly, outwardly, in relation to our own selves and our Lord, in relation to us and other people, in all of its other meanings throughout our lives. This is true religion. And this is why Allah says that those who do these things and are inspired by these words and put them into practice, these are the people that are true in faith. These are the people that are true in faith, that have real iman. This is real piety, not just some narrow, constricted view, 
know that we accept this religion in its entirety and that we submit to Allah Ta'ala and we look at our own selves because all of us are different. All of us come to this religion whether we are born in it or whether we converted. We come with various traits of character that Allah has given us, some of which are easier for us to that put into practice in a religious context that is the ones that we should than others. All of us have good things about ourselves and all of us have challenges. And so the goal really is that you and I come to know ourselves. We come to know what it is that we need to be working on. How can we strengthen our iman? How can we achieve that more noble character? How can we perform our prayers outwardly better? Perform our prayers and all other outward forms of actions better? We have to think about our own selves and embrace this religion in its totality. They are the people of taqwa. They are the people that don't allow there to be a, any type of barrier between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that they don't allow anything to unveil them. They create that these barriers between them and anything that would distance them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how it is that we want to be. And this is how it is that we want to approach this religion. May Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us to be able to do this in a way that is pleasing to them and bless us to increase in understanding every single day of our lives and to give us insights into his book and insights into how it is that he wants us to be subhanahu wa ta'ala and may we all actualize our servitude to him. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ala seyyidina Muhammadin ashraf al-anbiya'i wal-masaleen wa ala alihi al-tayyibin al-tahirin wa sahabini al-akramin wa tabi'innahum bi ihsani la yawmiddin wa alayna ma'ahum wa fihim bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna muhammadar rasulullah amma ba'ja ibadullah inni musikum wa nafsi iyaya bitakwallah we have a very short time before the blessed month of Ramadan is going to enter. And there is no better time to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to turn to Him, to bless us with the meanings of righteousness, of bir, than in the blessed month of Ramadan. Ramadan is a madrasa. It is a school where in which that we learn all meanings of good, where we can learn how to be people of taqwa, where we can learn how to be true people of faith as we worship him outwardly by abstaining from what he normally has permitted subhanahu wa ta'ala and worship him inwardly by trying and striving to be present with him during this month, reciting his book, standing in prayer, doing all different types of acts of goodness. We want this Ramadan to be a blessed Ramadan. And the number one way that we prepare, there's an outward dimension, of course, but most importantly, we prepare our hearts. We prepare our hearts from now. We prepare our hearts to be able to, that from that first night, to go into a different mode. And to be able to then pace ourselves throughout the month. And we start moving a little bit more quickly in the first 10 days. And contrary to what usually happens when people move too quickly, they actually slow down in the mid-10 days. We move a little bit faster in the mid-10 days. So we keep pacing ourselves. And then, when the last 10 days enter, this is when we start moving even faster than we did in the first 20. And then as we move, even in those last 10 days, we get closer and closer to the odd nights in the 27th night, 
And then we're full speed ahead those past few days so that we end Ramadan in the very best of states. And then Eid will take on a new meaning. It will take on a meaning where now it's not just permissible for us to eat and drink, which is that something that is a blessing from Allah Ta'ala, but now Eid takes on a new meaning where you will start to rejoice and be more in tune in those gifts that the angels pass out when you're walking home from Eid. Because this is when the jawa'is, the special gifts that Allah Ta'ala has in store for those who worshipped him well in this month are passed out as we are walking home that from the Eid prayer. But we start from now to prepare for that blessed moment. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us in all of our affairs. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad Kama salli ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad Innaka hamidun majid wa baraka ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad Kama barakta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad Faradamin innaka hamidun majid Wa radiyallahu ta'ala ansadatan khulufa rashidin Abi Bakr wa Umar wa Ali wa ala jami'a sahabati Rasulillah wa ahli bayti Rasulillah al-matahharin min al-arjas wa alayna ma'hum fihim bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin ya arhamar rahimin ya arhamar rahimin Allahumma a'izz al-islam wa ansur al-mu'minin Allahumma ighfir al-mu'minin wa'minat al-muslimin wal-muslimat al-ahya minhum wa namat Rabbana taqabba minna innaka antas samiyan alim wa tub alayna innaka antat tawwabur rahim Rabbana atina fid dunya hasanatan wa fil akhirati hasanatan wa qina adhaban nar wa barik lana fi baqiyat sha'ban wa ballighna ramadan wa inna fihi ala siyam wal qiyam wahfazna min jami'il atham awakum Allah nasrukum Allah inna Allah yamuru bil adli wal ihsani wa yuta'id al qurba wa yanha anil fahsha'i wal munkari wal baghi يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الرضيم يذكركم واشكرون يمهم يذبكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر. Thank you for listening to one of Al Maqasid's online educational offerings. Our mission at Al Maqasid is to cultivate holistic learning environments rooted in knowledge, devotion, and service by providing full-time, part-time, online, and community programs. For more information, please visit our website at almaqasid.org and connect with our other online content at almaqasid.org backslash connect.